We also welcome those who are watching online as well as through our social media, listening on the radio. So I've got some housekeeping to take care of before we get into the message this morning. Uh, we've been, it's in the bulletin advertising Canceling Christianity by David Fiorazzo, the book that we have in the book room. Our cost is your cost, $11. Uh, we have two issues left. I had one at the pulpit, but I took it back to the book room. That's good for us to sell out, or we're near selling out of those books. And David Fiorazzo talking about the conditions of going on in our culture today and the church itself and uh, the danger that we find the church in and really in 2020 how many within the church has just kind of capitulated the, their stance, their rights, their freedoms, uh, whether in the church or outside of the church, and people just surrendering to whatever the government says and surrendering the rights that we have in this country as citizens of the United States. That's not always true in other countries, but it is supposed to be true in this country. I heard one news media uh, forecaster saying that a revolt is coming. People are getting fed up with critical race theory, all the stuff that's going on in our schools, in our government right now, and uh, there's still enough of people who remember what life should be like here in the United States, think about this. David, that last song we sang, the Lord is in his holy temple. Uh, Dave, our keyboard player, said that that was a warm-up song for their public school choir. Now, can you imagine public school using the Lord is in his holy temple as a warm-up song today? No, we cannot, can we? There would probably be lawsuits for that school. A lot has changed, and that's very sad. So David Fiorazzo's book, there's two left. We can always get more, but if I can get rid of the last two we have, that'd be great too. There's two left. They're good. I've read through the book. In fact, I didn't offer it here until I read through what he had to say. I wanted to make sure I was in agreement with the author before I offered it. It is a tough book. Also, a uh, reminder, Gail Irwin, these have been sitting around for a year, but these are free. Uh, they're in the book room. They're on the back table in the hutch. Uh, they're all over the place, but they're free. So I've been the pastor here since 99. Pastor Mike Williams, who is before me, once said concerning the Jesus style by Gail Irwin that this is a must read annually. I don't know. That's probably the only thing I remember from Mike. It just stuck in my head. Um, but I remembered it. Mike said, Mike says, this is a must read annually. And that had stuck with me probably because I've already read the book. And Gail Irwin just has a way about presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ through writing and humor. Uh, so it's a good book. It's free. You can grab them, give them away to others as well. Mentioning Dave again, family camp coming up in two weeks. I know you guys don't like these forms and stuff, but Dave's saying fill out the form. If you're coming to family camp, uh, we need this registration form filled out. They are in the back of the church on the table right behind the seats there. So make sure that you grab the form 
and fill it out. If you need to pay, see Pastor Kevin or uh, put your payment in an envelope, put it in the Agape box, and that will get to the right people. The New Calvary Magazine is also available in the lobby, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy of that. Talking about ministering to the next generation, and that's a big desire of my heart, ministering to the next generation of worshipers. One of the things that we've been doing around here is preparing our building, the structure, for that next generation, but praying that also the Lord would raise up a new generation of worshipers here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. I will be replaced one day. The Lord tarries, and we remain around for another 20 years. I don't, maybe, maybe it'll be 80-year-old Pastor John in the pulpit, but I'm just not seeing it right now. I would rather see a younger generation uh, picking up, although I'd like to be around to see that. So we need to help in the process of that, just ministering as the Lord calls each of us to serve. A big deal for us, small church, of course, we've had a radio, low-power radio station for 16-plus years now, WLGS 101.5 FM. It's only 100 watts. We know that that's always been an issue. But last Saturday, I got the streaming to work. We tried earlier that week, and it didn't work. And just God's grace I just like, give it a try again. It's like a car that doesn't start, and it's like, one more try. And it cranks over. Well, that's what happened. The screen was up. It's like, I'll click the button again. And it connected. And we've been streaming our radio ministry for a solid week now. And you can go to our newly made, uh, redesigned WLGSradio.com. There's a redesigned page, but also has a live button that you can click on to listen live wherever you're at. And we're able to see where people are listening from. Of course, the United States, number one. We also had listeners from India, um, Canada, and Colombia. Those in one week's time, four different nations. They're saying that the listeners came from four different nations, of course, could be search engines kind of just playing into some of that, but it's exciting for us. We also have apps that will go with the radio ministry. You'll be able to download the app. That has to be built yet, and we have to make sure that we submit them the right way that they um, will get built. So that's all in the process, but we're excited about that. But you can right now stream by going online. Just go to wlgsradio.com. And you can stream our radio ministry. That's exciting. Just to see what the Lord does with that as we now have reached beyond our 100-watt signal, which didn't give us a lot. But uh, now we can reach anywhere in the world where they have Internet access. Finally, if you'd like to support the ministry of Calvary Chapel, for those who are listening on the radio, watching through social media, or those who are here, of course, there is, for those here, the agape box in the back. But we are in that age of technology where people like to give through online means. And you can do that at cclv.org forward slash donate, cclv.org forward slash donate. I'd also like to say that at CCLD, 
CCLV, if I can say it, um, our webpage, there is a link for prayer. And one of the more popular items of this link is that people can submit their prayer requests anonymously. And we have seen over the last few years that most of the prayer requests come in this way. So that means we can't see the email address unless you type it in for us. And so that prayer request to us remains anonymous unless you give us your information. And people are comfortable with that. And we are fine with that as well because we know that although we may not be able to see, God sees and God hears our prayers. So I'd like to just ask the Lord to bless the gifts given to this sanctuary to the work that the Lord has given us, and then we'll get into our study. So, Father, we thank you for this day you've given us to gather together to worship you. We thank you, Father, that you are in your holy temple. And, Lord, it breaks our heart that all the earth does not yet worship you. But according to the word of God, Lord, that will change one day. And there will come a point in time where, Lord, you will judge this earth. You will bring on a new heaven and a new earth. You will dwell in your temple among your people. And, Lord, all the earth will worship you. We thank you, Father, that you are in the temple. We thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus, to be a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, that you not only came and gave your life, was buried, rose again from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. But there at the right hand of the Father, Lord, you make intercession for your church. Lord, we can submit prayer requests to one another, but today we'll see that those prayers come right before the throne of God, rising up as incense before the throne, to know, Lord Jesus, that you are there making intercession for us. Well, we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the gifts and the offerings given to this place. May they be used for your glory and for the work that you've called us to do. We pray, Lord, a blessing on this radio ministry and our expanded step that we have taken through streaming the ministry. Lord, let your hand watch over us in these things. And Father, I pray that you'd bless the teaching of your word this morning. May it minister to our spirits. Lord, may it give us hope. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been going through the book of Revelation. It's a book that for many in the church, they shy away from. And I'm thankful that even as a young man in my, well, I can remember back into my very early 20s, uh, doing book studies on the book of Revelation, reading through the book of Revelation, Uh, studying it. No doubt I heard it being taught as a child growing up. In fact, I'm thankful that the church my dad pastored over in Zion, Illinois, they had in Sunday school, they had a practice in their Sunday school lessons of going through the Bible every five years. So they had a plan that would take a student through the Bible in five years' time. Of course, not reading every word, but getting a good chunk of Bible knowledge. So I'm figuring that before I even graduated high school, 
that I'd been through the Bible at least two times in my daddy's church. I think it's very helpful. A friend of mine who pastors the Calvary Chapel in Florida uh, commented to me once that I had a good grasp of the Old Testament portion of the Bible, and I think it's because of that training that I had as a child in Sunday school. It's important. I'll just put a teaser out there. We're going to open up our Sunday school in the fall again after summer is over. And how important that is for our children to be taught the Word of God. It could take them into their whatever they might become as an adult. I didn't plan on being a preacher, but that's what I became. And it's become a useful tool for me to have that knowledge. Uh, blessed knowledge that was given to me by Sunday school teachers. But also at an early age, in my early 20s, I was studying the book of Revelation. It was, it was a big deal back there when I was in my uh, 20s, the early 80s. The late great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey was a popular book at the time, uh, talking about end-time events. And then came the Left Behind series uh, when I was about... I think when I, it was in 1985 or 1986 and started reading the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Johnny Jenkins and just really opening my eyes, really those books, opening my eyes to the spiritual warfare that takes place in our world that oftentimes we do not see. Now, as we've been studying through the book of Revelation, also though some in the church shy away from it, the Lord has promised a blessing and we have learned a couple of verses that come from chapter 1 that really speak about the importance of this book, saying, Revelation 1.3, Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and those who keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The Lord has promised a blessing for those who read, for those who hear, and those who keep. So, you're hearing right now, as we're going through it, you get a blessing from the Lord for just hearing. If you read along, a double blessing. If you keep, a triple blessing from the Lord, promised in Revelation 1.3. But also, we get the outline of the book of Revelation in Revelation 1.19, where the Lord said to John, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The things which you have seen, they concern chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. And John there describes the glory of Jesus Christ that was shown him there in chapter 1. The things which are, was talking about the seven churches that were currently active in Asia Minor at that time, whom the Lord addressed in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. And the things which shall be, talking about end time events, that pick up in chapter 4, we find ourselves today here in chapter 8. We've also found this pattern that the book of Revelation, and I only put together a small list of the pattern of the number 7 that's found in the book of Revelation. As I was looking at it a little more thoroughly this week, there have some who have counted out that, you know, the Lord showed himself as the Lamb of God seven times, and so... They had these multiple of sevens that go further than what I've looked at. But this is what I put together. That in the book of Revelation, we find that the number seven, the number of completion, plays a significant role. Where we find 
introduced to us seven churches, the seven spirits of God before the throne of God, the seven golden lampstands, seven stars, seven lamps of fire, seven seals, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, seven angels who stand before God. We'll look at those today. Then we have seven trumpets, seven thunders, a fiery red dragon with seven heads and seven diadems, a beast with seven heads, seven angels with seven last plagues, which are the seven golden bowls, which are full of the wrath of God, as well as seven mountains and seven kings. Now that's just, you can dig deeper and you can find other connections of seven, but there is this pattern that the Lord has given us with the number seven. It's repeated often in the book of Revelation. We're currently studying the opening of the seven sealed scroll, and we find that we have another pattern that develops here where the Lord has a parenthetical section between the openings of the sixth seal and the seventh seal. He steps back. He shows us what's going on in heaven. We find this pattern will take place again, that there'll be this step back, uh, this parenthetical section that will take place also through the opening of the, or the sounding of the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. The Lord will pause and fill us in on a little more detail before the seventh trumpet sounds. And he'll do the same thing between the seven bold judgments, between the sixth and the seventh. The Lord will take a break. And maybe he realizes we need a break. Um, We've come through the Lord bringing judgment in the opening of these six of the seven seals. And now the Lord brings us to chapter eight, where we get a glimpse of what's going on in heaven. So I titled today's message, A Silence in Heaven, Revelation chapter eight. We're going to see the seventh seal, verses one through six, and then our remaining points deal with the first, second, third, fourth trumpets of God. As we get into the word of God, I'm going to go ahead and read the first six verses, ask God to bless the teaching of his word, and we'll get into Revelation chapter 8. Revelation 8, 1 says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw... Seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands, then The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So again, Lord, we ask just bless the teaching of your word this day. Help us, Lord, to gain a better understanding of this chapter, but we thank you, Father, that you have already promised all we need to do is read these words to receive a blessing. 
from you, to hear them. And Lord, most importantly, help us to keep them. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Silence can be an eerie thing. This silence comes in contrast to all the worship that we have already read about here in the book of Revelation taking place at around the throne room of God in chapters 4, 5, and 7. We have seen the cherubim break out in worship. We have seen the 24 elders fall down before the throne, casting their crowns before the throne. We have seen the bride of the Lamb uh, singing out in praise. We have seen the tribulation martyrs there before the throne, all worshiping before God, crying out as we've sung some of those today, crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. These prayers that we have cried out before the Lord. At the opening of the seventh seal, all the worship stopped for a half hour of time. Every creature which is in heaven silences their worship like a calm before a great storm. For the silence in heaven will precede the coming of the great tribulation that is to come upon this earth. All that has happened so far in the opening of the six seals will not compare to the horror that is about to come upon the earth itself. Matthew Henry, a theologian of times past, said this is a silence of expectation, a silence of expectation. For all heaven will stand in silence as God prepares to judge the earth for their sinful behavior and their unworthy deeds. In verses 2 and 3, well, we find the seven angels and one other angel as well. We're introduced to seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And so now we understand why when we have these depictions of angels with their wings and maybe holding a trumpet, we kind of get it. It comes right from the Bible here. Having seven trumpets getting ready and preparing to sound, the angels that stand before the throne of God gives this sense of the archangels, like Michael, who's written about in Jude 9. We find him also in Daniel chapter 10. Michael there called one of the chief princes. And then we find also Gabriel mentioned in Scripture. Gabriel, he's mentioned by name four times in the Bible, twice in the book of Daniel, twice in Luke's gospel. And each time Gabriel is mentioned, He's always announcing either about the first or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Michael and Gabriel, angels that stand before the throne of God. In fact, Gabriel would say of himself to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, in Luke 1.19, he said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel says to Zacharias, you don't want to mess with me. I stand in the very presence of God. So it's believed that there are seven angels who stand. I mean, it says seven here, but we only have two of these angels named to us in Scripture. Other angels that are named in Scripture, some are angels who have fallen, like Lucifer. We call him Satan today. He was a created being of God that fell from his place. And also we'll meet in Revelation chapter 9, 
Apollyon or Abaddon, also considered an angel, but these being demons at this point, fallen angels of God. Concerning Lucifer, in Ezekiel 28, 14, and 15, Scripture tells us, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. So we do have four angels introduced to us in the Bible. Two of them, Michael and Gabriel, stand in the presence of God. Michael is the chief, the prince over Israel. He watches over the nation of Israel, the children of Israel. And Gabriel always introducing either the first and second coming of Christ. And we have these fallen angels, Lucifer. We know him as Satan, probably the best or the devil. And also we will meet in chapter 9, Abaddon or Apollyon, both names given to us there in chapter 9. You may have heard from the Catholic Church we have Raphael mentioned. This comes from the apocryphal books from the book of Tobit or Tobias, but it's extra biblical. His name is not found in the 66 books of the Bible that we have today. To these angels, seven angels were given seven trumpets. He said in verses 3 and 4, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Another angel comes. He comes. He's given this, having this golden censer in his hand. He was given much incense that it should be offered before the Lord with the prayers, notice it says, with the prayers of all the saints. All the saints, all those prayers that we offer up to the Lord coming before the throne of God. May I suggest that this signifies the answering of the prayers of the tribulation saints that we have met as we've already journeyed here in the book of Revelation. We have discovered the tribulation saints who are before the throne of God, who are crying out to the Lord saying, How long, how long, Lord, until you avenge our blood? Those prayers now being offered up to the Lord in this golden censer with the incense, the sense of the rising up of the prayers before the Lord. But how, how about also the prayers of the saints of the church age? Every time that we have prayed to the Lord, justice, Lord, Give us justice on this earth. The prayers of all the saints being answered. The burning of incense is something we tie back to the Old Testament as well. When the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, only once a year he was allowed to do this. But when he entered in, according to Leviticus 16, verses 12 and 13, he was to enter with a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he was to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he would die." 
that he was to enter into the Holy of Holies with the incense and the fire, the coals of the very altar, the sacrifice of God. He also had blood that he would sprinkle seven times on the altar for himself. He would come out of the Holy of Holies, retrieve blood, come in and sprinkle that seven times for the nation of Israel. But the incense that it would cover the mercy seat, that God would show mercy to the high priest, that he would not die. We also learn in Revelation 5.8 that the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So we think about praying. We get this image in the Bible that teaches us when we pray, our praises rise up as a smoke of an incense rising up, but not just rising up to the ceiling and kind of lingering there, but rising up into the heavenly throne room of God. Now these prayers are coming before the throne of God. These prayers, I would say, of when we cry out justice, Lord, or when we say thy kingdom come, or we say come quickly, Lord, or as the martyrs prayed in Revelation 6, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Such prayers now being stored up, but the prayers of all the saints now coming before the throne of God. Now we find that God's wrath will be poured out upon this earth. For the angel, verses 5 and 6, he took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. All the prayers of the saints, along with all the prayers of the Saints who have come before us, the prayers that the saints today in the church today offer before the Lord. Or how about the prayers of the martyrs in the tribulation? All these prayers coming together that cry for judgment, that cry for justice. Now God is preparing to answer as we see. But why is he taking so long? Why, Lord, are you taking so long? Why do you make us go through so many heartaches? and troubles on this earth. Well, Peter gives us a glimpse of that answer in 2 Peter 3, 9, where he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises toward us, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We think, Lord, come quickly, come today. But as the Lord tarries, each day there is opportunity for people who are not believers in Jesus Christ to come to faith. He tarries because he is waiting for the number to be complete. Whatever that number might be, the Lord knows that number. But he's waiting until all the church is complete. All the prayers of the saints concerning judgment and justice have ascended to the throne of God. And now, with the angel taking the fire from the altar, putting it in the golden censer, casting it to the earth, we have and we find the earth itself being shook with an earthquake, with noises, with thunderings, with lightnings. 
It's much like Jesus when he said concerning the last days in Matthew 24, 21 says, and there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. The angels now preparing their trumpets to sound. We find the first trumpet blast in verse 7. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. At the sounding of the first trumpet blast, hail and fire, mingled with blood, was cast to the earth. It reminds us, doesn't it, of one of the plagues, the seventh plague there, I believe it is, in Egypt, where it tells us in Exodus 9, verses 22 through 26, where the Lord told Moses to stretch out your hand toward the heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And there was this great hail that came out throughout all the land of Egypt, according to the word of God. It was destructive of both man and beast and the crops that were there at that time during the seventh plague there in Egypt. This hail was mingled with fire. Thunderings came upon the land of Egypt. Here we find that not only with fire, but also with blood. Pretty unique to think about. But even when God sent the plague to Egypt, he told Moses to warn the Egyptians. This is coming. He even gave him the time and the date. Sometimes if we'd know when bad things are going to happen, we'd prepare for them, right? Better prepare. But the Egyptians knew, saying if you want to save your life and the lives of your servants, get them into shelter because it's coming. And those who listened were saved. Those who did not perish during that time. This will not be the case in the sounding of the first trumpet blast for the inhabitants of the earth are going to, at this point, begin to experience the full wrath of God, God's judgment toward them. It's hard for me to envision this type of hailstorm. We got a glimpse of it in 2018 in our neighborhood, the Oakland Ridge hailstorm over here in Antioch or Lake Villa, Illinois. It was in the evening. And it just started to rain suddenly. And then suddenly, the hail was beating on our house so hard, and we had aluminum siding, which intensified, I'm sure, the noise of it, that Lily and I had to shout to speak to one another. Now I'm getting ready to look out the window. I always do this during horrific storms. Lily's always trying to get me to do the smart things, to get in a safe place. I want to see what's going on. And then I thought, I need video of this. And before I got my camera out and pressed the right button, you get nervous, you always forget how to do that. And uh, it was over. Less than 10 minutes. Our roof, siding, cars, 11 of our 17 windows, all damaged. We had over $50,000 in damage in 10 minutes' time. Our neighborhood, those who had vinyl siding, It looked like 
probably about the size of a quarter or larger, just destroyed the sidings on their homes. We have vinyl siding now. I decided it didn't matter. Our aluminum siding was beat down so hard it was beginning to peel up. So it really doesn't matter if it's aluminum or vinyl. It's going to beat it hard. It's not going to matter. It will not compare to the storm that's coming upon this earth at the first trumpet blast where the Bible tells us a third of the trees and all green grasses will be burned up. So you think about the fire, the lightning that comes with this storm just burning up all the grasses. A third of the trees destroyed. The second trumpet blast, verses 8 and 9, then the angel sounded. It was something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Something like a great mountain causes me to think of an asteroid or a meteor, a large meteor, of course, coming into our atmosphere. Science right now, they're always watching these things. They are not thinking at this point if but when it will take place. Even now there's an asteroid, a system that's going to have what they would describe as a near miss with our planet at this time. John described it as best he could, something like a fiery mountain, something of large mass. And we just think of a meteor uh, coming into the earth atmosphere burning up as it comes into uh, coming from uh, no gravity into the gravitational pull of our earth burning up as it hits the water the sea now some believe that the sea referred to here in the bible they often refer to the mediterranean sea we're not sure exactly but think about this this fiery mountain falling into the sea that results in one-third of the sea becoming as blood, causing one-third of the aquatic life to die and one-third of ships being destroyed. I was thinking about the tsunami that could come from something like this. There are, I was looking at this morning over in the Canary Islands, they're a volcanic island in the Canary Islands system there that they say that it's mostly volcanic and they believe one particular island that a third of that island is in danger of falling into the sea and they project the damage that it would have on the east coast of the United States if that was to happen. The tsunami that would take place of this big wave. You remember if you are old enough to back in 2004 the Christmas Day or Boxing Day tsunami that took place. It happened on December 26, 2004, where a 9.1 quake ruptured a 900-mile stretch of a fault line underneath the ocean that caused the ocean floor to rise some 131 feet. That's incredible to think about. That tsunami alone claimed its last victim they have documented some eight hours later as that tsunami wave came through and ultimately claiming some 230,000 people's lives. Imagine what could result from a great mountain burning up, falling in, being thrown into the sea. 
the sea becoming as blood, meaning in one sense, perhaps, whether it's real blood or not, a third of the aquatic life dying as a result of this, the contamination that comes from it, but also a third of the shipping. Now, I was thinking about that, shipping, today. I have a nephew that used to live on the island of Oahu. He's an economist, and he was working for the government there, and we were visiting one year, and and we were there in Honolulu watching uh, the ships come in. I mean, the container ships bringing in supplies. And I believe, if, if, if my memory is correct, that I could always see seven ships on the horizon at all times. One would pull in, another one would appear. They were, like, constant. They never stopped. And my nephew said that if that shipping industry would be interrupted, he said, here on the islands we have three days' worth of supplies at all times. In three days, if they were interrupted, they would be in trouble in three days' time. So I looked up, thinking of that, and this comes from a Mariner's website talking about shipping and trade in the world, that today 90% of the world trade is carried by this method in shipping. Shipping is the lifeblood of the global economy. It says, I'm quoting from them, without shipping, intercontinental trade, the bulk of transport of raw materials, the import, the export of affordable food and manufactured goods would simply not be possible. Now imagine one-third of that gone, the impact that that would have on the earth. Then the third trumpet sounds, verses 10 and 11. A third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. Many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So now we find a star, another heavenly event taking place. A star falls from heaven, burning like a torch. It now impacts the rivers, the springs, the waters, much like the we find in Egypt again, there was the plague of the blood that came upon the waters and the rivers, even the water pots. Here we find a third of the rivers and the waters turned bitter. The name of the star being Wormwood. The name means to be bitter in the Greek. And in the Bible, this bitterness it refers to damnation and judgment. Jeremiah 23:15 it says, "Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them wormwood. I will make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem profaneness had gone into all the land. And so it's connected to this judgment of the Lord, this damnation of God. Wormwood equals bitterness in the Bible. Again, in Deuteronomy 29:18, that they may not be among you a root of bearing bitterness or wormwood. And although we cannot know how this star could impact a third of the rivers and the water, but that freshwater drinking supply that's so important to all the earth, now it's being impacted to one-third of all water 
has turned bitter, which brings about great death upon the earth. I'd mentioned this a few weeks ago that even now science, NASA, they are in the process of trying to deflect asteroids that if they think they're in danger of hitting the earth, they're going to send basically, it originally began as I was reading about this with envisioning a launch of a spaceship here in the United States and bumping, impacting a planet, an asteroid enough to throw it off course. They're actually planning this. It's called the Double Asteroid Redirect Test. And we'll hear more about this because they're planning to do this punch to an asteroid in September of 2022. But here I get this idea with the sounding of the third trumpet that there'll be no time for NASA to send up an asteroid-punching rocket ship It'd just be no time. The Lord is going to say, watch out, Earth, here it comes. And it comes fast. So it won't matter if it's NASA's DART or some other country's DART. DART standing for double asteroid redirecting tests. I always fear that when man does something, that sometimes they do something thinking, we're going to help. And they end up hurting. My first thought is, what if it doesn't go the direction you want it to go? Well, we tried the punch, and it's coming right for the earth now. Now what do we do? My son lives in Hawaii, and they thought that on the island of Oahu, this isn't on the island of Kauai as of yet. And this this going back probably around 100 years or less. But there were so many rats on the island of Hawaii, they thought, what animal eats a rat? Mongoose. They eat rats, so we'll import a bunch of mongoose on the island. They didn't think that the rats are awake at night and the mongoose sleep at night, that they don't even interact with one another. But the problem is with Oahu is that most of their birds nested on the ground. So what does a mongoose like to eat? It's morning. I like eggs in the morning, too. They also ate eggs in the morning. They have nearly wiped out some of the native birds of Oahu because of the mongoose. And this is such a big issue. They uh, just five or six years ago planned to have a ferry go from Oahu to Kauai. And the first time the ferry came to the island of Kauai, there were over 200 boats and surfers in the ocean blocking their path saying, you're not coming here because we're worried that you're going to bring mongoose and other things from Oahu with the ferry. They're just going to end up over here, and we don't want it. And they stopped that ferry from coming to their island. I mean, it was advertised as great. You could drive your car to another island, but it doesn't happen on Kauai. They did allow it to Maui, but not Kauai. So anyways, DART. Sometimes I worry about when man does something, they have these unintended results. Fourth trumpet, number 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. 
At the sounding of the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, the moon, the stars were darkened, causing a third of the day, a third of the night to be darkened, total darkness. Again, back with Egypt, we had this plague of darkness, three days of darkness. Exodus 10.21 teaches us a darkness that was over Egypt that could be felt. Egypt's ninth plague, the plague of darkness. We also find uh, three hours of darkness at the cross of Jesus Christ in Matthew 27:45. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. God uses darkness in judgment. He'll use it again in the future upon this earth. On this fourth trumpet blast, the absence of light made me think of also the absence of heat upon this earth. So I went online to kind of theorize what would take place if the sun would turn off totally. If the sun would turn off, this is one of the scientific sites saying that if the sun would turn off, they're saying would be an impossibility. Their words, not mine. If the sun simply turned off, which is actually a physically impossible, the earth would stay warm, at least compared to the space surrounding it, for a few million years. But we surface dwellers would feel the chill much sooner than that. Within a week, the average global temperature would drop below zero. Within a year, it would dip to minus 100. So what if it just turns off by one-third? Does minus 100 become minus 33.3? I can do a little math there. Too cold for us, right? And they even went on to talk about how mankind could survive in the deep oceans and uh, all of this that they theorized how we could survive here upon the earth. I think there's even a, a TV show on now that has this frozen train thing that I've never watched, but I've seen the commercials and it's just craziness. This scenario. What if the sun was darkened? Four trumpets have sounded. And then the Lord gave three woes. Verse 13, I looked and I heard the angel flying through the midst of heaven with a loud voice saying, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound, before sounding the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh trumpets. John hears an angel flying through the heavens declaring these three woes. And in the Bible, this woe refers to this intense distress or hardship that's about to come upon the earth. We could say disaster, even horror, that's about to come upon the earth. In a sense, if you think the four blasts of the four first trumpets were bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. For with these next two blasts, number five and six, there will be a great demonic activity poured out upon the earth. We'll look at this next week in Revelation chapter 9. Have you noticed another pattern that I did not mention in my introduction? We have seen over and over again one-third, one-third, one-third. One-third has been a theme of the blowing of the first four trumpets. In trumpet number one, one-third of the trees will be burned up along with all the grass. Number two 
the sea will become as blood, one-third of all aquatic life killed, one-third of ships destroyed. After the third trumpet, one-third of rivers and springs become bitter. And after the fourth trumpet's blast, one-third of the sun, moon, and stars will go dark. Jesus foretold of these signs in Luke 21, 25, and 26, saying, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And we've seen in the first four trumpet blasts, the powers of the heavens being shook and the impact that it would have upon the earth. And in blast number five and six, we actually see demonic activity increase in a great way. Again, we'll look at this next week. But I think what the Lord said in Luke 21, 26, we're seeing a glimpse of that even now with the COVID pandemic that we've seen over the last year and a half, men's hearts failing them from fear. And sometimes just from fear without actually danger being there. The fear of what if is paralyzing some people. And we're seeing it happen throughout the world today. John was giving us a glimpse of what is to come upon this earth, connected to the judgments of God during the great tribulation. But right now, the Lord has not yet poured out those tribulations upon this earth. That means right now the Lord continues to be long-suffering toward us, not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right now there remains time to repent and to turn to Jesus that we might be saved. And Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we're looking at an event that will come to this earth. Even science today have theorized some of these things, not knowing that they're actually looking at what the Word of God says will come upon this earth with meteors, asteroids, great mountains, stars, the impact it could have, tsunamis, all these things, Lord. Scripture writing about these events before they would even take place. And Father, your word tells us the reason you write about these events before they happen is that you would give us warning, that we would know that your word is true, that we would know, Lord, that that which you have prophesied will take place will actually come into reality, that we might, Lord, right now have time to repent. It's our prayer, Lord, that Many would repent. Many would give their heart to you. In these days that we find ourselves in, Lord, we pray, Lord, as we close out now, that you would bless the remainder of this service as we go through our church motto, as we worship in one last song. I pray for those, Lord, who want to turn their hearts to you and have not yet. Lord, may today be that day of salvation for them. For those, Lord, who have perhaps fell away from faith, but now they hear you calling them home, today, Lord, would be that day of renewal 
We ask, Father, that your spirit work in our midst this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go. And we're going to run through these uh, with the church body here. And I do this because I want us to learn these five verses of Scripture. If you don't know any other, memorize any other verses of Scripture in the Bible, these are enough for you to share your faith with someone else. And so we begin with the necessity of believing because the Bible tells us that those who come to God must first believe that God is. And so we say together, Hebrews 11:6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. It faith begins with believing that there is a God. We also need to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We say together, Romans 5:17, For if by one man's offense death reign through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ, Romans 5:17. It's not enough just to believe that there is a God. We must receive Jesus as our Savior. Once saved, we have to grow in our faith. And we say together, 1 Peter. You guys got it right. 2 Peter. Let's start over. Let's start over. It's always Pastor John who messes up. We say together, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. 3.18. Just don't get the knowledge without going. We have to share our faith with others, and so we close out saying, Matthew 28:19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. For those who are listening on the radio station through social media, if you do have questions regarding faith, you can email us at cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. If you are here with us, all you have to do is speak to me after the service. Let's close out in worship.